Welcome to Native Yoga Toddcast. So happy you are here. My goal with this channel is to bring inspirational speakers to the mic in the field of yoga, massage, body work, and beyond. Follow us at Native Yoga and check us out at nativeyogacenter.com. All right, let's begin. Hello, welcome to Native Yoga Toddcast. Today I have the pleasure and the privilege of having Colleen Avis. Colleen is the co-author of Sacred Spaces, which is Subtle Shifts for Mind, Body, and Home Transformation. She's wonderful. I'm so happy. I had such a great conversation with her. Obviously, I'm creating this intro after the fact that I spoke with her, Um, and I I can't wait to hear what you think of, of our conversation and please look up Colleen on her website, subtleshifts.com. It's actually subtle-shifts.com. You're going to be able to find her on Instagram, Colleen underscore Avis underscore be well. Of course, that's just below. If you're listening say like on Apple podcasts, just you know, swipe up and you'll see that little link and you just tap it and then boom, you're right there. You can see her website. And I think that we should just go ahead and get started here because you can dive right in and hear Colleen's ideas about living in sacred space, creating sacred space, acknowledging sacred space and what that means. All right, here we go. Colleen, are you here with me? Can you hear me? I can. Hello. Thank you for having me. You are welcome. Thank you so much for joining me this afternoon. This is a uh, something I've been really looking forward to, and I know we scheduled this a while ago. So I've, you know, I'm excited that it's now time uh, just to give listeners a little bit of background of how you and I met. I did a podcast with Christine uh, Christina Kaufman. And she was featured in your book, Sacred Spaces. And in the process of, uh, you were so kind and sweet to send me a copy of the book that then I was able to reach out to you and organize for us to talk about your book. So I'm so thankful to Christina and and also um, I'm so excited to just pick your brain about the whole process of putting this book together. Um, Can you tell me, how this book came into being, what was the seed that kind of got sown for you to go down this endeavor? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I love the use of the word seed because I feel like it has been a seed that was germinating (laughs) for some time. I think like so many of us, uh, we recognize that we have some story, right? Whether we whether we know how powerful it is or not, perhaps we don't um, right away. But really, we all do have this beautiful seed, um, beautiful story within us. And for years, I had thought about, well, what would I actually, what would I actually say? Right? Would anybody listen? I had a lot of self doubt, and it really was by chance. Um, speaking with a girlfriend of mine and saying, one day I'm going to get all my pieces of napkin and paper together because I'm old school and I'm going to get it all together in a book. And she said, Oh, funny. I just met a publisher, um, Laura DeFranco from Brave Healer Productions. Um, you should speak with her. 
so about a week later, uh, Laura and I spoke and really the, the seed of what allowed that seed to germinate and kind of burst open was the idea that the way that Laura goes about writing and publishing the books is a collective approach. Mm-hmm. And so it's somewhere between 20 and 25 authors, it really depends, um, that come together under the leadership of one author. Someone has to drive the train, right? Yeah. Um, that come together. And it really resonated with me. It was like, oh, one, I'm not going to have to be vulnerable alone. That felt really nice. Right. Um, Two, I believe that coming together has a much higher impact and a much greater ripple of good, juicy stuff. Um, and so I thought, why the heck not? And and really, as simple as that sounds, it was truly what happened was the idea that oh, I could do this with fellow um, yogis or fellow people that care about coming together and and creating more goodness and peace in the world. Nice. Amazing. Yeah. I, I hear you. Like, cause you're, <laughs> I, I have a similar goal slash dream to put a book together, but it's still in that goal slash dream drawer. And so that's mm-hmm. really cool that when someone said here, I've met someone that's involved in publishing and, but it probably obviously still took a little bit of courage to make that phone call to set up the time to say, Oh my gosh, I think I do want to pursue this. That's, that's a very kind observation, Todd, because yeah, I kind of, that part of the, you know, the every single day, um, communicating with my husband or, or a friend and saying, if I make this phone call, I'm pretty sure it's going to happen. Like, am I ready? What do you guys think? What would I write about? Um, and I spent a lot of time in meditation and to be honest, I spent a lot of time inverted. I do do my best thinking, um, in headstands. Um, and so, yeah, there was a there was a lot of that and I I always kind of knew what my story um that what I would want it to be um and so I also talked to my mom um and was like you know if this comes to be would you be okay with me sharing a very personal uh vulnerable part of not just my story but of our our family story nice so thank you for recognizing (laughs) that very nice yeah, I mean it's that's a good point. If you're going to share something that might would be perceived as negatively impact someone else that maybe doesn't want the public to know about that, that's scary. Yeah, and just you know, feeling like I think I think part of me actually, Todd, was like, well, if she says no, it gets me out of doing this thing that's going to yeah. take some bravery. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, oh, maybe she'll say no. And, you know, I'm 50 years old. My, when my mom was like, you know, you should make your own decision on that. I back you. I was like, oh, shoot, that was a push. <laughs> that was- <laughs> yeah. Now I have to do it. Oh, man. <laughs> exactly. I so hear- awesome. And I was so fortunate, Todd, to, you know, to pull together the cast of characters. And it really is a beautiful collection of which Christina is one Um one of those beautiful people, you know, you have to talk to a lot of people to get to 20. And one of the greatest gifts about saying yes to the book was certainly, you know, the final piece of paper I held in my hand called a book. Um, and the connection of getting curious and asking people if they would want to be involved and helping some of them journey to the, you want me to write a chapter? What would I write about? And mm. the time and, you know, just 
intimately with individuals and them sharing little bits of their stories as we massaged what their story might be and what their tools might be. So it's really, it's really a, an amazing gift. Nice. Yeah. What, what was the process for you to decide who those 20 people were? Were these all 20 people that you'd already had contact with in the past? Or was it that you started with one, you had like maybe a list of five that you knew, yeah, for sure, these are the folks that I really want to incorporate. And it grew out of that. How did you come up with that list? Yeah, um, it was a little bit like that. It was definitely... Um, who are the five or so that will make this journey feel a little safer for me? So there was some selfishness that started out the process and knowing that they had really bold, brave stories to share that I, that I, I guess I really wanted to encourage them to share. So I started with that group of five and then, you know, at the heart of this book really is the collection of all of us. And so from that, Space, it was like, okay, who else do you think fits? Because it was less of a process of you're in, you're out, right? Mm-hmm. That, that really was not the, the energy that I was hoping to cultivate. It was much more if your immediate response when I say, hey, you ever think about writing a book, want to join me? If the answer was heck yes, yeah, then yeah. I didn't really, I didn't really think much about what they were going to write. When yeah. I explained it with safe spaces, it was like, and I was really lucky those 21 beautiful authors came together. They're still connected. Some are co-collaborating together. Some are um, supporting each other's individual books. Um, They're doing, you know, events together. So it it was pretty organic once I got pushed. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Can you... I feel like you gave us a good idea in just relationship to the title of the book, which is Sacred Spaces, uh, and then the subtle shifts for mind, body, and home transformation. Can Are you open or willing to share your story with us? Sure. Absolutely. Um, the Thank you for reading the subtitle of the book. Um, it, it is really core to how I look at sacred space. Um, you know, it's very difficult, probably impossible to un- unintertwine, <laughs> um, you know, pull the spaghetti apart of all of the spaces that we as individuals live in. You know, there's depending on, depending on how, what words you use as a, as a person, it might be mind, body, soul, mind, body, home. Um, it might be the subtle body, the causal body, the intellectual body, right? It's depending. But we all live in all of them, whether we're aware of it or not. And they all affect each other. So I like to say, if you have a mess under your bed, you probably have a mess in your mind. Um, if you have a mess in your mind, there might be a mess in your body or your gut or your nervous system. And you can't have one without the other. And the beauty of that system is that when you start to mend or heal one, you get a ripple through the other the other spaces, the other yeah. parts of the body. Yeah. So I'll, I say all that um, as an intro to my story, which is really a story of abandonment. Um, uh, it's funny, it still makes me swallow a little bit hard, even though I feel strong from it. 
um, at 16 years old, my mother and my brother and I um, had a very shocking experience of my father um, abandoning our family. He, he, I don't say this in the book, but truly one day we pulled up the driveway and everything was gone. Um, he had chosen to move on with his life and it put us in a place of financial insecurity. Um, we really had no place to go. There, there really wasn't a place to go, um, which left us. Um, you know, food insecure, mm-hmm. um, money insecure. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> were, there and, hint, we, were there hints that this was coming or was it like literally like you guys drove off to the grocery store and or went on a, went on like a long road trip and came back and everything was gone? Yeah, you're spot on. We went off on a long road trip to visit my mom's parents who used to be next door neighbors and then had moved to Florida. And, you know, in in the, how old, I guess in the eighties, you know, you used to drive from New York to Florida. That wasn't really a big deal. Um, and we drove back and it was, um, wow. Okay. We, uh, there's a few things, there's a few things, including the human being, um, that I, that I, um, you know, that was my biological father. And so we came back to that and the story in the book, is a very different story than what might have been heard or my, might have written even 10 years ago. Mm. The story that I tell now is about resilience and gratitude. Um, I actually, about three months before the book was published, finally, after 30 some years, um, put pen to paper and wrote a forgiveness note to my father, wishing him love and compassion. And, you know, finally being able to come to a place where I was I was able to understand that he was doing the best he could in those moments yeah. and that what was being done wasn't actually being done to me. <laughs> I, I was affected by a ripple of what happened, um, but that I needed to kind of stop defining myself as this 16 year old whose father abandoned them and didn't care. Yeah. And, and that was a really powerful moment. For me, um, gosh, I was, <laughs> I was in my late 30s, early 40s, to be honest. It took some time um, for me to get there. And so the story talks about resilience. And I tell a piece in the st- in the book, I tell a story of how um, we used to go dumpster diving. My mom would go to grocery stores. And in those days, you could get in the grocery, the dumpsters behind grocery stores. And there actually was like good stuff back there. There was like day old bread and dented cans. It, it wasn't really trash like we think of it now um, yeah, because they yeah. grocery stores were giving food away to um, like food pantries and stuff, right? That wasn't yeah. happening. Yeah. So you'd get back there and the, the cans might not have labels on them, but they were, it, the food was safe. Um, and so the story really is about we're all at the bottom of a dumpster at some point in our lives. And you can choose to look up and over the edge and smile and get curious about how to get out. Or you can sit at the bottom of the garbage can. Yeah. And I'm not saying it's easy for everyone to come in or out of the, their, their garbage can, right? Everyone has their own path. Um, but really, that's what it's about. And, and the story talks about looking over the edge of the garbage can and watching my brother get so excited about stacking the cans and laughing and being like, what else is in there? Um, <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's, it's really... Um, for me, it's been a transformational story and I, and I, and I wish for everyone to, to grab the top of that dumpster in their life and hoist themselves up and know that 
if if nobody else is cheering for them, I am. I'm cheering for them. Did it have a profound effect in the sense that it affected your grades in being able to go to school and or the decisions you made after, you know, I'm guessing high school and then, you know, beyond? Yeah. Did, did it, you know, just really, to what level did it affect you guys in that few year period of like, say, 16 to 20? Yeah, it was interesting you asked that because my son turned 16 tomorrow. Oh, man. I know my son turns my son turns 16 uh, next week as well. It's amazing. So, I know, right? Isn't yeah. it incredible to watch these little guys? I mean, oh man, and turn 16, I know. Is it triggering uh, anything watching your own child turn 16? <laughs> yes. And it's interesting. A, my my mom and my stepfather have generously sent a um a a, a, a modest check but a very generous check to support, you know, turning 16 and whether that's a car or gas money or whatever. Yeah. And as I was my son, I'll tell you, it was $250. So it, it is a very nice gift, um, but it's not going to buy us a car. And as I handed it to him, I said, this is how much my first car costs. <laughs> oh my gosh. Right. <laughs> oh my gosh. Lot. Yeah. You could, you could, you could buy a used car for 250. Imagine what <laughs> Let's taste it, but it got me. But but to answer your question, um, yeah, it has triggered a lot, um, and it did affect me. Um, you know, we went from a family that you know could have, you know, probably middle America could have supported me going to school, maybe not paid for everything, but helped get financial aid and things like yeah, that. Yeah. To to a place where because we had been left and finances were kind of weird as far as like my parents still being married and things like that. So the universities and the schools thought that I had resources that we didn't. Yeah. And so, yeah, it, I had been accepted to Syracuse university business school and I was unable to attend. So I stayed home and went to a community college and I furthered my resilience. Um, is what I like to say. Um, as I bumbled along through a four-year education, I kind of I kind of quilted a, a four-year degree together nice. um, as I was being part of the family, and so yeah, it really did affect us. And you know, I think my brother would feel comfortable with me saying, you know, as someone who was like seven or eight years old, um, he experienced the abandonment very differently, and I felt very responsible. So I kind of I feel like I grew up before I was ready to grow up in order to support he and emotionally help and support my mom. And it, 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 I don't want to say it truncated, it delayed the time in which I started to take care of myself. Mm. That makes sense. And I think more impactful than say money or the college or anything like that. Right. My own emotional healing kind of, and I chose, right. Retrospectively, I know that although at 16, it's, I don't know if I thought it was a choice then. You know, did you carry any guilt that maybe it was your fault that he left? When you speak with your brother, do either of you, I mean, you don't have to speak for your brother now because it's his own journey, but did did you carry any of that feeling of like, it must be my fault and, and that type of stuff? I, I didn't have that. Um, my coping mechanism was more, um, self detriment, like 
self-detrimating to myself. It was more, um, what can I control? And I control how I chose to eat. Mm -hmm. Um, for example, I was for many years, um, bulimic and anorexic. Mm -hmm. Um, I, and I, and I retrospectively really do credit that to, um, okay, I can control this. Everything else is a little bit out of my control. Um, I, I abandoned this, you know, some of my own kind of, you know, not that I was a total crazy person by any stretch, but I abandoned some of my own like moral and ethical like values. Um, you know, I was probably out too late partying. I was sneaking in the house at two in the morning, right? Like things like that, that didn't feel good to do, but felt numbing in the moment. Yeah. Yeah. That makes yeah. sense. Yeah. What, what yeah, I hear yeah. you. That's interesting. I know I, I was curious if that was the case. What was your first job outside of completing your four year degree? <laughs> uh, waitressing, <laughs> um, yes, yeah, I hear you. <laughs> I was um, there as well, yeah. <laughs> and I and I think everyone should wait tables because I yeah. think it's so yeah. well, it's such a like hey, you're at the bottom and you want to make a few extra dollars on your tips. So you have to hustle and have, help people have, that might not even want to have a good experience, have a good experience. Yeah. Um, and so, and there's a timeline and there's a lot of life lessons, I think, in waiting. Um, but my first job was actually for this company that I thought um, was going to be moving me down the path of like lending, whether that was real estate lending or, you know, individual home, like mortgage lending. And it landed up because I knew, I, you know, there wasn't a ton of guidance. My mom did the best she could, but it wasn't like I had someone saying, um, let us help you find a job. Uh, you know, I got a suitcase and a navy blue suit when I graduated. Like, you know, <laughs> move on. Right? Yep, now it's time. Um, and yeah, time to fly, girl. And, um, and it really, it lands up being a company where you, you can lend money to people at like 20 and 30%. You're lending someone $500 at 30% for five years. Mm. And it, yeah. And, and so I was there for about six months. That really was not in alignment. Um, and by stroke of luck, or as I like to say, the universe showing me another opportunity, I was contacted by a large consulting firm that needed um, an administration person, kind of a secretary, really. And I, when I walked in those doors, I thought, oh, my gosh, I have the opportunity of a lifetime. And for six months, I worked like crazy, and they gave me an opportunity to be on a project team, and the rest was history. Wow. Um, the gentleman's name is Kevin Martin. Um, the company was KPMG. If for some reason someone knows Kevin Martin or listens to this podcast, um, I haven't been able to get back in touch with him, but he, he changed, he changed my reality and my opportunities, um, in my career a hundred percent. So yeah, Kevin, we're sending <laughs> you props. For, <laughs> yeah. Thanks for believing in me. You just need one person to have faith. Oh man. So true. Well, I'm curious yeah. then you've mentioned headstands. So I know you're a yoga practitioner where, and when was your first exposure to yoga? Oh, do I think I'm, I'm sorry, Colleen, maybe I, I lost you. Can, did oh, you, did you, there hear, we are. Do you hear my question? 
you said yoga. You were going to ask me if I teach, I think. Maybe. Oh, actually, no. I was, I'm curious then at what point did you come into your first experience with yoga? Oh, goodness. You know, definitely in college. Um, I came into my first experience that there was a women's group that would meet in the quad um, and, and do yoga and it was there that I, I first kind of inverted myself. And then I had an absent um, kind of couple of years from it. In, in 1999, I moved to London, which I graduated college in 94. I moved to London and um, found yoga there, but it was more about stretching than I would say um, the lifestyle of yoga. Yeah, right. Yeah. And so it wasn't until, oh gosh, probably ooh, eight or nine years ago when I, I kind of had a revisiting of some of this past that created a little bit of a midlife, what I now call transformation. The word crisis might have been what I used about a decade ago, <laughs> yeah. um, where I, <laughs> where I kind, kind of quite um, dug up all the old skeletons and, 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 and honored some of them. And I went off to the Chopra Center to learn how to meditate. And that's really where I'll say I, I embodied yoga, where I realized that it was truly a tool and a means for me to get comfortable in my own skin. Nice. So a little bit of a bumpy journey, but probably 10 years ago for real. That's cool. Yeah. That's awesome. At what point, yeah. at what point, <laughs> Uh, well, it, I was a lifesaver, actually. Yes, that and Kevin Martin. And yeah. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. When we start to look back on the people and the situations that influence us and the steps and the progress that gets made, it's there's obviously a lot of chains in the link, a lot of links in the chain, I meant to say. Did, um, yeah. So are you, in terms of yoga, do you have a daily practice? Do you teach yoga? What is your relationship to yoga currently? Yeah, my, my relationship is I, I do teach um, or what I like to call um, guiding um, on two mornings a week. It's, um, uh, you know, a gentle morning, 630 class, a beautiful group of women. We call ourselves the Twisted Sisters. <laughs> Men are welcome, but we call ourselves the Twisted Sisters. Um, and I do have a daily practice. Uh, it's funny, though. Um, I don't spend an hour in one session on the mat, I'm one of those yogis who I get up in the morning, 10 or 15 minutes of yoga. I get my day going. And then right before lunch, I'll jump on the mat again for five, 10, 15 minutes. Um, before I jumped on the call with you, um, I did the same thing. So I probably get about an hour of 20, an hour and 20 minutes or 60 to 90 minutes a day of yoga in like six or seven times on the mat. <laughs> nice. Nice. That's perfect. Yeah. My practice, yeah. 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 It sounds like you and, figured and out I, a way. Actually, <laughs> My bad. What's that? It sounds like you figured out a way to integrate it where it works for you. And it's not necessarily, okay, I go to the studio, I practice once and then, you know, that's it until the next time I go. It sounds like you have, you've developed a home practice and you've figured out how to kind of integrate it all throughout the day. Yeah. And I, I do. And I, I don't know if sometimes I'll joke with myself and I'm like, this is my Niyama's my asana of my niyama, like, because I do think that there is this, for me, self-discipline in showing up more than once and looking at like spiritual observation 
And by jumping on the mat a couple times a day, it helps me to jump or dive or be curious in and out of my own soulfulness. Mm. Um, So I, I don't know if that sounds, you know, if that resonates with anyone, but that's really when I think of yoga, I, I really do think about the the eight limbs of yoga. And so those asanas are a way I, I'm like, okay, how can I use the asana to help me remember diving into the other pieces of, you know, nice yoga. Nice. Yeah. That's, that's <laughs> cool. And remind me you live in DC. I do. I live just a few miles outside of DC in a, a town called McLean, Virginia, near Arlington. And, uh, the swampy heat of summer is just coming upon us now here in the end of June. Yes. Um, and I, we've been here now for, we moved back from London in 2006. So this is the longest I've actually lived somewhere. Wow. In one place. Yeah. Yeah. In one place. Yeah. <laughs> in one place. And what do so you currently do? Obviously, you wrote this book and you're able to promote it and um, and your teaching class. Is that primarily your professional um, focus right now or do you have other things that you're working with? Yeah, my primary focus is um, working with individuals as a life coach. And I have been so fortunate to... Um, be in a space of co-creation with individuals that are on a journey of either self-awareness or cultivating joy or getting in touch with their shadows or just, you know, the question of like, I don't even know who I am anymore, right? What's my purpose? And that's really where I spend the majority of my time. For me, coaching includes um, co-creation and uh, yoga guiding and uh, mindfulness mentoring and time in nature and supporting people and knowing that they have a cheerleader as they move towards healthier nourishment, whether that be food or sleep. And so my my passion around transforming uh, with others, I, I like I don't like to say I'm leading. It really is like a co-creation for me. Um, from the inside out, right? How can we get really curious on the inside out? So life coaching is my primary, um, yeah, job. It's not really, it's yeah, such a joy. Yeah. It's hard to call it a job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. like, I guess I guess I'll call it a job, but yeah. I'm like, oh, a job? Yeah, yeah, you're right. It is, I guess, a job. Um, I take it pretty seriously. Yeah. Nice, nice. And yeah. our when you came up with the title for the book, Sacred Spaces, or how did you come up with this theme? What what was the thing that made you realize that sacred space or having a space where, I'm guessing that one definition for sacred space is a space where you feel like you can be yourself and you could voice what is happening for you and or I could voice what's happening for me. And, but did I get that right? Or do you have other definitions for sacred spaces? You know, my question would be, does that feel right to you? You know, does that feel Mm. like what sacred space means to you? Um, And, and if the answer is yes, I, I love that definition. Uh, And to answer your question, sacred 
space for me, I think is different than what it might be for someone else. I, I, I truly believe that the uniqueness of what makes something sacred and makes one's individual space feel comfortable um, is really varied. And when we talk about space, I, you know, we really are talking about the mind, the body, the home, the, the connectedness, you know, the, the room you're sitting within, as well as the space between your thoughts. Um, you know, in, in elementary school, we're told to look up in the sky and we immediately start are being told to identify matter, right? There's the sun, there's the moon, there's Pluto. Is it a planet or not? Right. All those things. And in between us and all of those pieces of matter is space, infinite space. And, I really believe in that space is infinite possibilities. The, the mm-hmm. opportunities are, are limitless. And so my question is always, how do you want that space to feel? Mm-hmm. And I guess if I had to put a definition on it, it's really a meaningful or mindful place um, that, by the way, can change and evolve as you do, right? That, it, that, that when created and, and you're aware of it and you're, I don't want to say protected or guarded, but that it has a sacredness to it. You would treat it like a, a ritual or an altar or, you know, something that's like a non-negotiable for you, that when you're in it, it feels connected, it feels calm, um, and you have perhaps tools um, that within that space feel as though they're in flow or have, have clarity. And I think that's true of your closet. I think that's true of your heart. I think that's true of the space in your car, in your mind. So, you know, I would invite everyone that listens to say, do I even know, have I even thought about the spaces I'm living in right now? Pick the one that's maybe the most relevant for you in the moment. And then what is it that I want to do? What is it that my heart, that little voice in my head is telling me would make this space feel sacred to me? Wow sacred yeah. space. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Great answer. <laughs> that definitely got my wheels. That got my wheels spinning for sure. Cause you're right. Do, yeah, I, I, do I think that. of my car? Like just, I'm just picking one of the random spaces <laughs> that I inhabit on a regular basis. Like, do I think of that as a sacred space? I love listening to audiobooks in my car when I drive which inspires my mind and inspires my thinking. So I guess I do think of it as a sacred space, but I've, I've never asked that question before. I've never, I've never even thought to ask that question before. I've just gotten in my car and kind of do what I want to do, but it is an interesting question to, to think, do I feel like this is a sacred space? It does make sense that I need to have a pretty clear definition of what I think sacred means for me. So I definitely, I agree with you on that. And that's a pretty powerful question. You know, I, I, cause then every, I love the fact that you're bringing up, you know, the external environment in relation to the room that I'm currently sitting in. I'm, I'm in our yoga studio right now and I'm in my same room that I do all my podcasts on. And I definitely do feel like this is a sacred space, 100%. I love this space so much. This is my favorite space to be in. This is like, I love the fact too that you brought up 
like the space between your thoughts. Is that a sacred space? Whoa, that's a really interesting concept, right? Like, <laughs> I haven't thought of that one. I don't, what would that even look like? What would the space in between my thoughts being sacred, what would that look like? Have you pondered that one? Do you have an answer? I know you don't have to have an answer for me, but have you have found an answer for yourself on that one? I'm, I'm in constant practice on that. <laughs> um, the, you know, one of the most powerful things about that for me is the fact or the feeling, I'll say. It's not the fact. Gosh, words are powerful, aren't they? Um, yeah. it's, the feel, it's the feeling of having awareness of my space. So the space in between thoughts when I'm not being mindful, if I skip a meditation, if I'm not on my yoga mat four or five times a day, I, that space gets crammed. So there's less room to move in between my thoughts, like one thing and the next thing and the next thing and the next thing, right? We all live that way, so many of us. And what I realize is that as I practice understanding and, and desiring sacredness, that feel-good flow, that having awareness to it expands the space. And so when I expand my space, I have more room for creativity. I have more room to hear myself because I'm just constantly all day long. There's no room for me half the time to even feel my own stomach rumbling, let alone a creative idea or a message from my body that says, Hey Colleen, why do you keep saying yes to the same thing when that's not serving you? Right. So, yeah. So being aware of the fact that there could be space in between your thoughts, because we have 60 to 80,000 thoughts a day, 90% of them are repeated and 90% of that 90 are negative thoughts. So I am interested in shifting those numbers for myself. So if I think about my sacred space and just bringing awareness to it, I'm more apt to choose (laughs) what it is that I want to want that space to look like or or frankly fill it with yeah that makes perfect sense sense? it makes perfect sense absolutely okay okay yeah where is somewhere that you stepped into at some point in your life between well yeah i guess from any time that you can remember back that you walked into that you felt like you were in a sacred space before you even contemplated a sacred space Mm. Was was there? You know, it could be. I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to dissuade. Pull you away from the answer that will pop into your head first. I won't say anything, but I'm just. What did pop into your head first? The first thing that came into my mind was our son. Your son. Uh, My son. Yeah. Because that's cool. He, you know, especially as an innocent child. He's now 16. So right. I've bred this independent thinker, which I'm not really sure why I did that. Um, <laughs> is it biting, is it biting you? <laughs> it's coming back to haunt you. Like, no. <laughs> I actually said to him the other day, why did I, I want you to be so independent? <laughs> yeah. working for me. Yeah. I want you to, uh, I want you to be with me. I want you to actually want to hang out with me. <laughs> I hear you. Exactly. Um, but I realized there was a, uh, okay. Here's here's some vulnerability and transparency. I, I didn't know. I'm not even sure. I thought I was ever going to say this out loud. About three months ago, 
I was just standing in his presence and watching him, just kind of observing, really trying to practice being in space. Okay, like, let me just see if I can just be here and observe and not have too many thoughts and wish that he was doing this and wish that he wasn't doing that and try to put my wishes on him, right? I just let me observe. And just watching him, like, who is he? Because he he's not mine, right? He's his own human. So, like, who is he? And I had this overwhelming feeling of, oh, my gosh, he has allowed me to be in his sacred space. Mm-hmm. And that was powerful. That was really powerful. Like, here is this human being who, and and, and rightfully so, he should, I mean, I'm, I'm grateful he trusts us. There's no reason for him not. But as a 16-year-old or almost 16-year-old independent thinking guy, kid, he was allowing me to be in his space. Mm-hmm. And That's really that nice. was really coming. Yeah, and I realized that by being in his space, I truly was allowing myself to be in mine and I was silent and just observing, right? I was just witnessing. And um, I guess I would say, Todd, that really any time, because that's a good question. I'm going to go ponder that after we talk. I'm going to get inverted. (laughs) I think any time I've actually had it like goosebump over my body, I've been Mm. in silence, Mm. right? It's like, Oh, the sacredness can be heard here. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Great. Oh, that's an- a good- great. I hear you. Well, great answer. I mean, I, I, that, that just got me thinking about a recent experience too with my son. Um, I, when I was asking you that question and I, I, I you know, it's like we can be, disc- you know how we can be conversing and in our own heads were already, well, personally in doing like say an interview, I mean, to be, to be honest as well, I feel like my goal is to be so attentive, right? Like don't let my mind wander because if you start talking about something and I wander and I'm not paying attention, that makes for a very awkward moment for me when I come back in and realize, oh my gosh, what are we even, what are we, what are we talking about? Right. So, so for me, this is a very, like an exercise in, um, staying present. So with that being Mm -hmm. said, I don't want to make it sound like I wasn't being present in the process of me trying to search my own mind. When I asked you that question of, well, shoot, what would I even say answer to that? But in the process of doing that, it made me think of, I was in Chiang Mai in Thailand and Mm. there's this temple at the, it's called Doi Sutep. And it's got this really beautiful walkway that goes, it's a really long staircase going up and it's got this really cool dragon is like the railing that's like curving all the way up and down. And at the top they have all these like meditation bells where you walk down and, you know, hit the bell. And, um, I just remember having a feeling of like sacred space, you know, of, of Mm -hmm. like, but then I guess my question is like, I wonder, is that in, is it because the intention of the people that created that space had that intention to create that sort of feeling? And I was able to pick up on that initial intention or was it just that in that moment I heard a bell and wow, what's going on here and where am I? And why do I feel so 
comfortable here and what what is this mm. place and i guess in that thought it makes me when i'm attempting to create a sacred space for example in my home or at the yoga studio here um I guess I feel like that intention is obviously extremely important. Do you have any insight into the conscious creation of sacred space in relationship to dwellings that we visit? Yeah, you know, I I love that you're talking about the intention and I want to see this railing, this dragon railing. I'll send you a picture. I'll uh I can I I can I can find a picture. We can Google it and I'll I'll send it to you. It is amazing. I thought you were- yeah we were all going okay never mind (laughs) i want well you know i had a a retreat organized to go to thailand and it was for in 2020 so i'm sure you can guess how that turned out yeah yeah Yeah. well i'm finally (laughs) taking i'm finally taking a trip to Kolkata, india and bhutan in january february 2023 nice as a reason should have happened in 2020 so keep me posted on thailand i will um So the, the idea of intention and, and affirmation, I, I'll tell you, I wake up in the morning. The first thing I say is, thank you so much for another day. I say it to my body. I say it to my surroundings. I say it to the universe, my dog, everybody. I'm just so grateful for, for everything. And then my next, um, my next statement to myself is, everywhere I go today, may it be a sacred space, mm-hmm. right? May I may bring sacredness. May I be in sacredness. And it kind of, like you, you know, I didn't want to be wandering as you were asking me the question. Um, although in fairness, our brains do wander 47% of the time. That's very human and natural. Um, so, so we can give ourselves an excuse, Todd. All right. And I'll take it. I'll take it. Yeah, me too. Thank you. Um, I, I come back to the collective of the book, of the authors in the book, yeah. that the intention And when you bring together, you know, everybody knows the saying, like, you are what you eat, you know, surround yourself with the people you want to be like, you know, right, there, there is something about a holiness of a space, because the intention of, or the ancestral um, wisdom, right, the ancient wisdom has always resided in um, love. Right? Doesn't everything chunk back up to love? Isn't yes. sacred, sacred space love? It's love, right? And so they, the spaces like you're talking about, the, the, the labor, the energy that went into that railing, it's still there. That railing holds the love and the craftsmanship of those workmen. And, you know, I'm sure it's thousands of years old, right? And that wisdom and love is just vibrating out of that railing. And so, then you put yourself in that position and, um, you know, you with your open heart and kindness and compassion and world of yoga that you bring in, it's like, like meant like. And when we put like and like together, we get more of that like, mm, right? So you yes. put love, love, you don't get one plus one is two, you get one plus one is like 25, right? The ripple expands and sorry to make sense of my comment about the book. It's like, it's not 21 authors that equals one plus one plus one equals 21. It's one plus one plus one equals 21 on steroids, right? Maybe a thousand. I don't. Yeah. So when you ask me that question, that's what kind of came to mind. And I, I don't really differentiate 
the energy or the love or the sacredness of the room I'm sitting in and let's say my heart space. Mm -hmm. I want all the spaces to be sacred, you know, at a risk of being too attached to that. I do um, wake up in the morning and may, may, may all things be sacred today. Um, it, it leads me to compassion. Okay. So I'll, I'll tell you why I do that because a number of years ago, I really wanted to work on being more compassionate, more accepting of why certain people show up in the world the way they show up when it feels hurtful or it looks ugly or angry. And I couldn't quite get my head around it. And so kind of coming to this place of may everything be sacred brought me to a place that said, even when someone is showing up in a way that society might judge as, I'll just say angry, that individual, I, I truly believe everyone is showing up in the best that they can in that moment. And so the idea of sacred spaces leads me to compassion because I, I hope people will also show me compassion because I can tell you I was not the most beautiful human being in my level of kindness or acceptance um, to others after being injured, feeling injured, feeling really abandoned as a child. I, I put up a lot of walls. I bit pretty hard. I really excluded um, people and it never felt comfortable, but it felt like it made a safe space for me. And is that space not as sacred as the space I call sacred now, right? Mm -hmm. I was honestly the best I could in the circumstances with the knowledge I had in that moment. And so it, it, it drives compassion for me. Yeah. Um, yeah. I guarantee you left that dragon railing a more compassionate, higher love vibrating human. You, <laughs> you can't. You can't untwine that from yourself, yeah. even though I'm sure you're already a loving human being when you went there, right? That's a good point. I don't know. What do you think? That It kind of got me thinking, it gets me thinking that I'm trying to think of a space that definitely does not feel sacred. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to think of like, well, what would be the you know, reflexive off of a mirror, you know, something that's mm -hmm. where the first thought that came in, like, well, could a, could a jail be sacred? Mm. You know what I mean? Like, and of course mm. I know the answer probably is, well, if you or I or the jailmate or the guard walks in with compassion in their heart or sits there with compassion in their heart, then the answer could be, Yes, but if there's a space where there's a lot of a lot of pain and a lot of I don't know like you know suffering like if 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 it's just a lot I don't know like whenever I think of a jail I just think of oh god just please don't ever let me go into one of those you know what I mean like that just seems like <laughs> I just don't want yeah. to want to go to jail like I don't want I don't want to be imprisoned and so I just think that would be a hard place. Like I remember watching a video about Vipassana meditation being brought to a jail in Alabama, you know, and the mm -hmm. inmates were encouraged to, you know, sit and do this 10 day silent meditation course. And, 
and then the interviewing to interview them afterward where you know i guess you could view being imprisoned in a jail as like one of the most perfect places to be to practice meditation because that's you have unlimited time you know you you're kind of like all of a sudden like a monk whether you want to be or not so if you could somehow train your mind to accept that now i have nothing better to do but make use of the time to the best ability that i can given the situation that i have that then being in that moment could be you know a sacred that could be a sacred space but that just i know that's so much harder than 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 it sounds right i know it sounds beautiful but is it could that be real so i i guess that the question i could bring to the table here for you is what is your thoughts and recommendations around when you walk into a place where you just feel like the energy is off like something doesn't feel right i don't feel safe i don't feel like i'm in a sacred space um what are your thoughts about that it's it's a hard question isn't it i a couple things come to mind um number one i don't want to say anything that minimizes the severity or the opportunity or the reality of, of true um, trauma or situation like imprisonment and say anything that feels like, yes. oh, well, she's just so easy. Okay. I understand. I, I just, yeah. Yeah. I want to really honor, honor that. The first thing that came to my mind is those of us that have been able to benefit from the beauties of life and have been fortunate enough in this lifetime to create sacred spaces, um, we need to show up. We need to show up for other people. And I don't mean that in any political way. I mean, find your own way. Make a sandwich for a homeless man. Um, you know, show up and read to children in schools. Um, you know, give clothing to homeless. I, I, again, I'm not trying to minimize any of it, right? It's, yeah. But when you are given that privilege, um, you know, the majority of proceeds from the book go to my local, um, the town I grew up in where I was in dumpsters, food pantry. There's a lot of food insecurity there, right? That's one way. It's not a million dollars. Okay. But it's one way. And it's like, it's, it's maybe small, but in my world, I really believe that a subtle shift can create the greatest impact. That's beautiful. So that's the first thing that came to mind. The second thing that came to mind, and that's more of like a collective view, right? Yeah. Then, then the human in me came in and said, well, if I'm not safe, I'm leaving. Okay. <laughs> so, but, but let me retract that a little bit and say that sometimes when I'm in a space, I mean, clearly if it's life threatening, it's different, right? But if I'm in a space where I'm like, Ooh, this is icky energy, bad vibes. Oh, this is not. Sometimes I actively choose to stay and try to just vibe out the energy that I'd like to see there. Mm. And you know, when you place an intention like that, let's just say you're in a group of women, okay? You're you're a you're in a group of women and I shouldn't just say women. You're in a group of people where maybe some people are talking ill of another person. And it's not like the end of the world ill, but it's unkind, judgmental, yucky stuff. Like, oh, did you see what she did or he did, right? That kind of thing. Yeah. Um, I, for many years, would stand and participate, and then for many years would stand and listen, realizing now that that's equally as ugly. Um, and now I 
I do one of two things. I either stand and interject and say, aren't there better things that we could talk about? Or maybe the reason that that person is showing up this way is because they're struggling with X, Y, Z. Maybe we should be compassionate, right? If I feel like I'm in a place where I can be safe, I'll show up that way. And then there's other times where I will dismiss myself. Mm. And it's, that feels like maybe like a very simple example, but I think the impact from what I've seen um, in kind of watching myself in those situations is you can shift the space. 90% of the time when I've said like, come on guys, like let's talk about something that's more joyful. How lucky are we to be standing here having a, you know, a, a morning brunch together and why are we spending our time talking about stuff we don't even know? 90% of the time, someone else will say, you're right. And the top, the topic changes. That's a massive impact. Like that's something where we've co-created a massive shift where most people probably walk out into their day mm. slightly. Changed. Yeah. Great. You point. know, so Great point. I, I think we have responsibility for that. I think we have responsibility to be in situations where we feel even physically challenged or unsafe. And to question whether or not that's a, a fear that is coming over us because of some preconceived notion or if really it is unsafe. And I also find around 90% of the time when I'm in one of those situations that if I check myself, usually it's because I've got some false thing going on in my mind, right? Where that's kind of telling you've got this thought going on. And so I say, and I don't know. I have no statistics to be able to show how maybe it changes someone or not. But once in a while you get a smile back and, you know, you have to think that there's something in that that's positive, um, even if it's just for myself. Right. Um, so that's not jail, but we have yeah. to have response action. That's a great <laughs> you answer. Know? I agree a hundred percent. If I, if every time I came across the space that did not feel comfortable or safe and then I ran to try to find one that was, I probably would be running all day long. So, <laughs> so does plant the feet and start creating the space in that moment, wherever it is, yeah. that makes, the, that makes ultimate sense. Like start where we are and then mm -hmm. work outward or in, you know, but start, right here. And that, that does seem like perfect sense. I'm glad you brought that up. That's a, that's a good answer. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Todd. You're welcome. <laughs> I like your insight too. It's really nice. So I'm curious, I feel like already just even thinking about these things, we've obviously altered the space and we're in the wonderful, wonder, wonderful world of language communication and listening, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, what's so cool about podcasts is that you could be cooking dinner, you could be driving car, you could be running through the park, you could be laying in bed, you could be doing anything pretty much that doesn't require you listening to somebody else or something. Um, and absorbing listening and, and, and be in a space somewhere. So obviously whoever's listening right now is, is, uh, and thank you for listening is, is creating a sacred space wherever they are, which is really cool yeah. personally to think about like wherever you are right now, you, and just hearing your ideas, Colleen, we are creating a sacred space. 
Is there anything else you can add to our space right now to make it extra sacred? Like, <laughs> like could it really spice it up? Really like just yeah. make it extra special. Like just that, like you said, like not just one plus one is two, but one plus one infinite, you know, like just really blast <laughs> out there. Yeah. Okay. Here's what I'll say. I hope yeah. it's as impactful as you. <laughs> <laughs> well, infinite might be a little, you know, maybe I'm aiming too high, but maybe one plus one equals four. That would be awesome. One plus one is four. Okay. Love it. Here's what I'll say. Here's what I'll say. Truly, I truly, truly believe this. It's the space for sure that you're in. And you, you as an individual are sacred space. You are perfect as you are. There's nothing to fix. You're not broken. You are rather this sacred space on a beautiful journey. And where you are and from where you're coming at things and your words matter. There's a, there's a purpose in this exact moment. And Everyone comes to this table as their own best healer. And I, I really believe that um, you, the listener, me, the, the speaker in this moment, um, we are the sacred space. You, you are it. So to not feel as though it's something that maybe is not attached to you, you, you are it. So yes, the car, yes, the room you're in, yes, but also you. You are, you are that sacred space. And more importantly than that, I think, is if it feels overwhelming and it's like, oh, yeah, but oh, my God, this doesn't feel so sacred. Things are just to really trust that the most subtle shift, the smile in the grocery store, right, a breath of fresh air, a, um, a warm cup of coffee held in your hands that allows you to start the day, that when you take those types of subtle shifts with purpose and awareness, that's where um, really great changes and, and transformation can, can begin. And so I encourage everyone to get curious about themselves as a sacred space. Nice. <laughs> that was great. Uh, I love human beings, and I, 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 I'm, I honestly am, am cheering and um, rooting for for all of us. And I really wish, you know, peace and and kindness and wholeness for for each of us. Um, yeah, so um, I, I feel very blessed to have um, come into this conversation with you, Todd. Thank you. Thank you, Colleen. I enjoyed this immensely. I I really appreciate this. I so thankful t to be reminded of all the things that you brought up. But I love the way at the very end here you just brought it right into like our own bodies, you know, like right into our own space. That's incredible. It's really great. So thank you yeah. so much. I I you know I of course, I have so many ideas. Um, but just to keep it simple here, well, one, would you be open to being a guest again in the future? Always. Cool. I love 
Yeah. And two, would you be open to introducing me to another one of the amazing authors that contributed to your book and and helping me to bring them on the podcast so we could continue the conversation from their angle? Absolutely. I'll do you one better. I'll introduce you to 20 of them because that's how many others are. (laughs) That would be amazing. (laughs) <laughs> we can trickle it out so I don't fire hose you, but yes, of course. <laughs> Thank you, Colleen. I would love that. And well, I just really appreciate you taking the time to speak with me. And, and um, I really look forward to hearing more from you and, and, and about you. And I'll share all your information on the intro and the outro and make sure everyone has access to the links and the linear notes so they can find you and, ask you questions. I, I mention this all the time because I love getting feedback. So, and, and I'm guessing you do as well on your website, maybe they can contact you via email and, or of course, if they find you on your social media, social media handle, they can contact you there. But just again, I'd like to ask you, are you open to people giving you feedback and asking you questions? Oh my gosh. Okay. Right, right, I, right. Love, <laughs> okay. I love human beings and, and I, <laughs> If you are the person right now that's like, yeah, I don't want to reach out, uh, but you can't, but you want to, but you don't, please, please reach out. There's no pressure. I'm not, you know, I don't bite on most days. No, um, yeah, reach. I mean, reach out um, and, and let's talk. Share with me where you think I missed something, um, where maybe you want to co-collaborate on something. What, yeah, reach out, please. I think this is really important because... What I'm finding, I had a really powerful experience this weekend where I just had an overwhelming sense of the power of community and that I, a reaffirmation of wanting to open up to accepting help and collaboration, you know, instead of always thinking I've just got to do it on my own. And every time I have that realization, it makes me feel, you know, so excited about different possibilities because, okay, I'm willing to take help. Like, what if I actually, instead of thinking I have to do it all by myself, I could actually ask someone, like, just if they'd be willing to, like, help me just a little bit to learn how to, you know, do whatever it is that I'm focusing on at that time. So I guess what I'm thinking, if someone were to listen to this conversation and just send you an email to say, Colleen, that was awesome. And that's all they'd have to say. Or... Colleen, you made me think, or like just that could open a door to something. You know what I mean? It could be that, I don't know. I I just think it's, it's amazing when we reach out and who knows what can come out of just reaching out, like with no really major agenda, just a simple like, hello, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Oh, and I, you know, even just the leaving a note, I think in the podcast, right, you can always comment, you know, for the, all the love and time and effort and, and the connection that you are cultivating and the sacred space that you're cultivating in your podcast, just even a, a, an emoji heart, right, in the comments. <laughs> yeah. Well, I love seeing a heart in I my agree. Instagram, a heart sit, and I'm like, typically I'll write back, I'm like, oh, I see your heart. Here's my heart. You know, like it's just, just that, just that makes you smile, right? And gosh, what's the power of smiling, right? I mean, holy moly, we could change the world if everyone smiled more. Um, so yeah, connection, community, you're so right. And you're, gosh, you're doing such a gorgeous job at it, Todd. I mean, well, kudos. thank you. I appreciate that. You're very kind. 
Yeah. Well, no, awesome, Colleen. Well, once again, thank you so much. And I really look forward to us uh, uh, connecting again in the future. Me too. Me too. Thank you so much, Todd. Have a beautiful day and shine bright. Thank you so much. You too. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. I hope that you enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. Remember, Colleen can be found very easily by tapping on the link in the show notes and or just typing in subtle-shifts.com and finding her on Instagram at Colleen underscore Avis underscore be well. Remember, if you're interested in practicing with us, we have a cool way you can join in by doing a live stream special. The link is in the notes below as well. Click on it, you sign up, and it sends you a two-week unlimited pass to join us in practice. We have uh, yin yoga, gentle yoga, ashtanga yoga, vinyasa yoga, we have uh, multiple different styles and levels that you can join in from home on your computer. I record them. I put the classes on our nativeyogaonline.com if you're interested. I'll have that link down below as well. There's a bunch of courses and classes that you can check out on there too. I also have a free course on there that's Todd's Top Yoga Tips Today. <laughs> yes. And you can just check out, uh, it's not really that extensive yet, but it's got a couple of different tips on how to balance and different ideas around asana and yoga and um, the, the likes. So thank you so much. And until next time. Native Yoga Toddcast is produced by myself. The theme music is dreamed up by Bryce Allen. If you like this show, let me know. If there's room for improvement, I want to hear that too. We are curious to know what you think and what you want more of, what I can improve. And if you have ideas for future guests or topics, please send us your thoughts to info at Native Yoga Center. You can find us at nativeyogacenter.com. And hey, if you did like this episode, share it with your friends, rate it and review and join us next time.